thank you for, for being here. And we, we don't want to be reckless with the weather and everything, but um, it also feels like a time when we need to intentionally be courageous too. So, so um, like we definitely, depending on who gravel, like I drove around a lot this morning and Jason was like, well, you obviously didn't drive down my roads or you wouldn't have thought it was very good this morning and stuff. And so, so man, I hope that, I hope everybody's been safe and uh, either in trying to get here if they were. Um, but w- one of the aspects of us going back into the book of John, one of the things I thought about was a mentor of mine that after he came to Jesus, uh, as, as Lulu did last night, but uh, a mentor of mine, his journey was that he was in the Marines, and he, um, it was one day in his Marine chaplain's backyard that he actually gave his life to Jesus. And then uh, the Lord ended up calling him into uh, being a pastor, which isn't like the highest rung. It's just a calling. We're all called to to be all in with Jesus, and in the way that God had called this guy to be all in with Jesus was through being a pastor, and he had never grown up around what that looked like or anything, and so uh, so what ended up happening in his life was he had the opportunity to even do an internship with a really kind of famous pastor, like a pastor that was really well known, and this was like two generations ago, um, so this guy, Ray Steadman, was this pastor that uh, a lot of people in the area knew, and uh, uh, then this guy that I got to know, he, um, he, he was around Ray Steadman a lot and everything, and then he ended up going and being a pastor of a church in the New England area, and what he realized was that what he was trying to do was channel Ray Steadman. <laughs> so, like, so when he lived for Jesus, when, when he actually tried to lead other people in, in following Jesus, he was like, what would my mentor do? What would Ray Steadman do? What would, how would, how would, like, I need to act the way that Ray would act, and that's how I can actually be used by God. And guess what? It doesn't work. <laughs> so, like, this uh, ministry is just, like, like, flailing. I mean, it's just not healthy, and he, it feels like he's just hitting his head against the wall, being like, well, I'm doing what I think Ray would do, and why am I not seeing the results that Ray saw? And um, he was driving, uh, he, he tells, I've heard him tell a story so many times, I feel like I can retell it pretty accurately, but he was driving in the New England area down the highway one day, and he just starts weeping, just weeping uncontrollably. He pulls over, and he said the, the verse from Galatians that just like, was like a billboard right in front of him, was, uh, am I trying to please man or am I trying to please God? And uh, and that was just a huge question. Like, is my goal to please man or is my goal to please God? And he actually at the side of the road said, God, I'm just going to be me. From now on, I'm not going to try and be Ray. I'm going to try and be me. And he's like, if you can use me, that would be fantastic. If you can't use me in the ways that you used other people in other ways, I'm just going to be me. I don't want to be anybody else. And, uh, and that doesn't mean like I'm just going to be sinful me and never change. It was I, I'm going to just be me and not try and be anybody else and let's see what you can do. And, uh, and it ended up, and that, the way that he shared about that just gripped me 
because I looked around other people that I was around and be like, man, I'm not like any of you guys, and the Lord's using you guys, and so maybe he's, he can't use me or whatever it may be. And I feel like our passage today in John 1, uh, starting verse 19, I feel like it hits in this area, and I think it hits in this area for all of us in, in John 1. And we'll have the words up here. We have Bibles on the Connect table that as you're, and I do super recommend, I think Ian said take one of those. What he meant was like, like you can take six of them of the different topics, but like, and feel free to grab two or three if you're like, I'm going to lead some coworkers through a Bible study and something. We can replenish those in a heartbeat. Uh, but I think for us to really not just play at church, but to assume that Jesus is changing us, and even some of the titles there, you're going to be like, oh gosh, um, we can actually admit that we're feeling this way. Like, I think one of the titles is like, the money has run out. <laughs> like, like, that's like the title of a booklet. Uh, one of the titles is, can we talk? Man, like that feels super scary, you know, in those moments sometimes to be like, hey, can we talk about something really serious? Like, ah, it's better just to pretend it doesn't exist, you know. But it's a whole booklet that's just designed, can we talk, you know. And if all the can we talks is gone, we'll order more for next week. Like, that's totally cool. It's, it's worth us having a posture that we're all growing here and not wanting to, uh, to play here. Um, so along those lines of, of assuming God is going to use each of us who we are, um, look at how John 1 takes us into this. And um, we have the scripture booklets, too. They're not on the chairs anymore. I don't know if we put them out here, but to take a ton of notes, yeah, I see a little stack over there. So if you don't have the booklets um, where it's basically scripture on one page and then it's blank on the other, and you can write notes and take that with you, uh, feel free to grab one of those and you can refill your coffee and stuff. But John 1, starting in verse 19, says this, and this is the testimony of John. This is being written by John, but this is talking about John the Baptist. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Verse 19 isn't happening in a vacuum. We're just going to pause here. It's crazy. There's so much in Every single verse in the book of John, um, it's, there's so much, and, uh, and it'll take us a lifetime to even start mining the depths of all this, but uh, we're going we're gonna to step into it nonetheless. So verse 19 is not happening in a vacuum. There are religious leaders of the day who really liked what they had going on. There were, were religious leaders of the day who were in charge and pride had consumed them. It's like Lord of the Rings with like the ring, and you start calling it your precious. And before you know it, like you've gone super dark because you're the one in control and the one in power. And that's kind of what had started happening with the religious leaders of that day. They were in charge, and they loved being in charge. Who's in charge around here? I am. Love it. I am totally in charge here. And here from up north, this nobody who anyone had ever heard of, this nobody, John, starts saying these remarkable things, and their response to John is, um, excuse me, who are you? Who, who do you think you are? And what he confesses is so hard, I think, and I think what he confesses is that I struggle to confess. And I think all of us struggle to confess what he confesses. Um, we might confess it with our mouth, but I think to truly say this is who I am, I know who I am, 
John makes this good confession and says, I know who I am. Even in the midst of people trying to put me down, I can tell you I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. Verse 20 is clarity. It's a gift to have that, that type of clarity. And I think, you, I'm not joking, like in full seriousness, to ask me, to ask you, for us all to ask is, are you the Christ? Like, have you ever like truly thought to yourself, am I the Christ? In a serious way. Because our world is designed for you to believe that you are the Christ. Our world is designed for you to think that you are the Christ, that you are the chosen one. We live in an age where everybody gets a medal. No one here is second place. <laughs> you know, everybody gets a medal. We live in an age, and I, I want to be real, I, I'm going to qualify the statement, but we live in an age where we, we feel like anyone who has authority over us is oppressing us. We live in an age that if someone other than me tells me what my gender is, they are oppressing me. If someone other than me tells me what my gender is, they're oppressing me. Now, let me tell you, like, if you have gender dysphoria, like, that statement is not meant to push you away. Like, I actually want to meet with you. I, I want us as a church to come around you and love you and, and be with you in this. But, we, but to say that we live in an age where no one can define me. How dare you think that you can define me? Um, if someone other than me tells me something is true and that I should believe it, they're being an oppressive bully. The traits of Christ, even think of these traits. Social media has made us think that we can be all-knowing. It almost seems embarrassing that like something huge would happen worldwide and it would be like six hours and you wouldn't even know about it. It's like, gosh, you didn't, everybody, we all know that happened. Like being all knowing is something that we feel like actually could be possible through social media. I think uh, um, having hundreds or thousands of friends that we're connected to makes us feel like we could be everywhere, all knowing, present in all places and at all times. I'm sitting in the living room with my family, and I'm also dialoguing here across the country, and I'm interacting with this thing that's happening over here, and I'm interacting with this thing that's happening over here, and I'm interacting with this thing over here. Man, I'm like everywhere present. Our world is designed maybe more than ever in history, I think, for a peer person to feel like they are at the center, that we are at the center of it all. All media, all thoughts, all opinions, you are the gatekeeper. I am the gatekeeper. And all these things actually are only true of Christ. All of these things can only be true of him. He is the, breath, he is the gatekeeper. And I think how breathtaking, how refreshing, when John the Baptist is confronted with people trying to tell him he doesn't know anything, trying to put him in his, in his place, that John knows who he is, he knows where he, find, where he fits in this life, he's secure with who he is, who are you? Well, I, I sure as heck know I'm not Christ. I am not the Christ. And then they continue to ask him. Look at verse 21. So they ask him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? 
He said, I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He simply said, think like standing squarely. Hey, I'm here to point to somebody else. That's who I am. He doesn't even say what his name is. Oh, I'm John the Baptist. I'm from this area. Actually, you might not know, but I placed first in my class and knowing scripture. Like he doesn't go there. He just says, hey, I'm, I'm here to point to him. I'm here to point to someone else. I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, just like Isaiah said. My purpose here is not to be the Christ. My purpose is not to be all-knowing. My purpose is not to be the chosen one. My purpose is not to be everywhere present. I'm very, very limited in who I am and what I'm about. I'm not who you think I am. You're trying to accuse me of being all these people, or you're trying to, to get me all shaken up, uh, thinking that maybe uh, they'll rattle me with like how lowly I am. And it's like, I'm not who you think I am. I'm about someone else. And I'm here because I'm about someone else. And John is so secure. He knows who he is. And then just to be clear, uh, verse 24 lets us know that all of this is a setup. Verse 24, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. So like the most elite, religious, in control, loving their 401k based on their religious work, no one can shake them up. Even if God shows up, they have no room for God in their life because they love their perfectly put together lives. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you're a nobody, why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And I just wanna let you know, like this is how it works. This is how it works. This is what happens when you start going for it in a church. This is what happens when you start stepping out from the crowd. This is what happens when you go from thinking that church is just this thing that I go to an hour a week and then it doesn't really apply to the rest of my life and I just kind of get a shot in the arm, feel good about myself and go home. But this is where you start being set on fire by Jesus and by his church and you're all in and what Satan will scream at you is who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You're a nobody, will be the refrain. And this is a strategy of the kingdom of darkness at this moment. To silence John the Baptist, to silence us. You are a nobody. Why are you baptizing? You're not the Christ. You're not Elijah. You're not a prophet. You should be at home and be quiet. And the, the assumption here is don't nobodies just fade away. Who do you think you are? Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'll just be over here and be quiet. Like, the assumption is don't nobody's just fade away. And I've, man, I've been confronted with this. I've been confronted with this as being some demons in my own life that I'd met Jesus. I'd been addicted to some really destructive sins in high school and into college. And I'd experienced Jesus' power, like, truly freeing me from things that I thought would just enslave me. And I'd gone to seminary. And, uh, and what surprised me is, like, I actually, like, graduated with honors from seminary. And I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't even know the order of the books of the Bible as I was pulling in. And, like, I actually did really well here and learned Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff. And then I went to be a pastor for the first time, and I was like, I'm going to take on the world, man. Watch out. And then uh, I got fired from being a pastor at that church. <laughs> and um, and it, by God's grace, it wasn't anything moral. It was just me being a bad pastor <laughs> and, uh, and not uh, living up to some expectations that the church had for me there. And uh, man, like I just had that voice of like, 
I had spent seven years after college in graduate school, um, and, uh, and it was like, man, did you just waste seven years of your life? Man, what a fool. What a, what a moron to be able to, like, like, think that you could be a pastor. Like, you're not who you think you are. And uh, we moved out to Oklahoma City, and I wondered if, like, God would ever give me an opportunity as we moved to Oklahoma City, like, to ever be in pastoral ministry again. And I just didn't, I, I, I desired that, but for five years, I didn't preach a single sermon. For five years, we were, we were visiting churches and plugged into a church and went deep into a church, and, and I was like, man, I think I'd love to preach. I think I'd love to do this, but, like, the temptation was maybe I should just crawl into a hole somewhere and just let other people do their thing. And I can just like, maybe like I kind of tried stepping out there and it was like, oh man, you're, uh, you're like the guy on like American Idol that like thinks they can sing. And then you get up there and start to belt it out and everybody starts laughing. And it's like, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My apologies for stepping out here. And, you know, I think that there's a part of me that was like, did I spend all those years for nothing? And, uh, you know, what a joke. What a joke. And by God's grace, I think I was able to say, maybe I am a joke. Um, maybe I'm a joke, but I know he isn't a joke. I know Jesus isn't a joke, so he's not. So I love what John does here, is John in the midst of just getting all this, the religious people who are supposed to be the gatekeepers, and he's like, I'm not the wonderful things that you think I am. I'm not the Christ. Maybe I'm a joke. And then John inhales, takes a deep breath, fills his lungs with air, and with clarity and courage, John says, verse 26, John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one that you don't even know, even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to even untie, these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And John is letting them know, you're looking at the wrong guy if you're trying to look at me to be the Savior. He's actually in your midst. Don't be beating up on me. Don't use your religious pedigree to put me in my place. He is among you. He is in my midst. He's coming after me. He's coming after you. And I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals because that was something that servants would do, because there wasn't like paved roads. They were just starting, to, the Romans were starting to pave the roads there, but a lot of people would wear open-toed sandals and uh, would walk around on gravel roads. And so what you would do, instead of washing your hands before dinner, a lot of times you would wash your feet as you entered the home, and it felt like you took a shower, like you felt refreshed. It's like traveling all day and going to a hotel and throwing water on your face. You're like, hey, I feel refreshed. And so having a servant take your sandal off and wash your feet um, felt very refreshing and hospitable. And what John the Baptist is saying, I'm not even worthy to be a servant of this one that is among you. Then the very next day, he lets loose. John the Baptist does not hold back anymore. Verse 29, the next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I imagine a group of people are assembled 
Uh, they're by the Jordan River on the eastern side of Israel. Uh, maybe the Pharisees are continuing to argue with him. Uh, maybe people are sharing about things that God is doing in their life. And then John has this moment. Somehow, I don't know if like Jesus gives him the sign, you know, like, or some, somehow there's a moment here where John knows this is, this is why he's here. John the Baptist um, needs to let everybody know he is here and he is wanting to be known. John clears his throat. He takes another deep breath. Maybe he stands on a chair and he's like, hey, can I get your attention? That's the word behold. Can I get your attention, everybody? Behold the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb, the great sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world. And then John is given, he didn't have any time to prepare, but in verse 30, he's just given this impromptu sermon as the Holy Spirit empowers him. It says, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me, the ancient of days, Jesus in the flesh. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel." And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Verse 33, this is a mysterious verse, how he starts this. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Verse 31, it's crazy here that John says, um, he says in verse 31 and he says in verse 33, I didn't know him. He said, I didn't know him. They're first cousins in a highly communal society. Like they do meals together more than we do. And he says, I didn't know him twice. John absolutely knew who Jesus was, but he didn't know Jesus as the one that we have all been longing for. And man, I feel this. Like you could spend decades in a church. You could hear, spend decades. Oh yeah, Jesus. Oh yeah, Jesus. Oh yeah, Jesus. I, I, I know that name. You can hear all about him and not know the man. Not really know him for who he is, for what he's about. Our savior, our hope. In the point where like, John absolutely knew Jesus, but he could say, I didn't know him. Because he didn't know where to point. He knew why he existed, but he didn't know the one he was going to point to. And yes, you could say, well, didn't he leap in his mother's womb when, when they came together? Like, we, we hear that story around Christmas. Yes, but here, there's a, there's a sense, though, like, he's saying, I didn't know him. Like, this was revealed to me later when my eyes, I was able to truly say, this is him. Man, I think when we meet him in that way, we realized that we knew some things about him, but we didn't know him. Like, like I love, my mom says, like, um, you know, you don't, you don't know you're blind until you can see sometimes, you know. Uh, you don't know you're lost sometimes until you're found. And then you're like, oh, gosh, 
I, I didn't realize that I didn't know him. I knew about him, but I didn't know him, and I know him now. Verse 32, John bore witness. When we give our lives to Jesus, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills, fills us, empowers us. We are baptized with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, this total nobody to the religious elites, John the Baptist has seen things that will shake the world. John the Baptist has seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. And I, this is what God does. He turns nobodies into witnesses. And I, I love this. And it's not to like make us feel bad for being nobodies, but it's like when you meet a true somebody and you realize, oh gosh, in comparison to the Christ, he's the only somebody that could ever walk in the room once we've met him and he changes us, he, and then he forms us into witnesses. He doesn't care about us being gifted communicators. He doesn't care about us being religious elites. He cares about us being witnesses. And have we seen firsthand what Jesus can do? It's like the powerful, have we seen firsthand what Jesus can do? Uh, verse 33 again and following are amazing. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom we, you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now this, I had to read this passage many times this week just to be like, okay, because it's like the, the kind of the who's being talked about is like bouncing around the room. But here it's saying, John's saying, I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me. So what John is saying is that, is that the Father, the first person of the Trinity, the Father is saying, hey, John, you go, start baptizing with water. Be ready to point to that one. And then so, so he on whom you see the Spirit descend. So what the Father is telling to, to John is look for the Holy Spirit descending on someone. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So the Father is saying, look for Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you'll see Jesus baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. And then that's when you clear your throat and start yelling. He's here. We got him. He's right here. He's in front of us. You know, and then, but what's amazing is this is one of the times where all three members of the Trinity are interacting in a really clear way. And the picture here is a picture of what Jesus is doing, which is crazy. Because what John is saying and what we do, and hopefully with Lulu, uh, will do is, is like we are told to baptize with water. And that that is a symbol. It's a physical symbol of someone going into the grave with Jesus buried with him in his death, and raised to walk in newness of life. And what this is picturing, baptizing with water, is picturing something that is happening spiritually, totally transforming a person. And what it, the, the picture that we are told here is what that looks like is the Father saying, okay, look, are you ready? Are you looking? And then you see Jesus holding you and baptizing you into the Holy Spirit. And that is like radically, totally to the point when, when you come up, the word that's used is being born again. And like you're baptized into the power of the only one that can change and transform. And I think the way that that word is, it's baptized with the Holy Spirit. And scripture tells us that no one comes unless the Father draws them. So the Father's drawing. If you're like, hey, I don't know why I'm coming here, but like I'm being drawn to something. Well, it's because the Father is drawing you. 
Jesus is holding you, and Jesus is baptizing you into the Holy Spirit. And when we do the water thing, we are actually just pointing towards what's already happened, which is someone who has, has given their lives to Jesus, who has been radically changed. Have we seen that? <laughs> Have you seen that firsthand in your own life? And that's what John is saying here is like, I'm a witness. And the best witnesses are the ones that are honest, brutally honest. I don't still quite figure out exactly everything that's happening to me, but let me tell you exactly as I'm experiencing it. And it's like, wow, you are an honest witness. And that's what John the Baptist said. Man, you could throw rocks at me all you want. All that I'm doing is telling you about, like, really, your beef is with Jesus. Because I'm basically just telling you what he's doing. And so if you hate what I'm saying, it's because you hate him. And uh, man, like, I hope you're around him long enough to see that uh, he is all for you and you should love him because he is bringing you life and life to the fullest. So can you confidently say, can I confidently say that I know him? And that's not to breed doubt, that's just to breed clarity. That you have your life centered on him and that's your heart. That you know he is the son of God because of what you've witnessed as an honest witness, honest with yourself, honest with those around you. The, light, the Lord just delights for nobodies to meet the somebody and then become witnesses. And Lord, I just ask that you would do that in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for, for how you save, how you change. And, and Lord, if you're drawing anyone to yourself right now, I pray that they would just come home into your arms running and allow you to radically transform them and set them on a path where they'll be witnesses and maybe see their entire family give their lives to you. And Lord, Lord, for all of us, we, we all need you so much. We, we all um, want more than anything to be found in you, to commune with you, uh, for you to meet with us. And so, Lord, even as we, as we take communion today, Lord, would it not be just a ritual we do, but it would it be a special time as we gather, one of the most sacred times as we gather because we're communing with you, we're being with you giving you space to uh, do surgery on our souls and, and to uh, make crooked things straight in our lives. And thank you that that's your specialty. So, so Lord, uh, move in us and only you can and uh, change us that you may form us together to be a light for you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, let's, uh, let's commune with him. So this was his design as he gave us. We have wine or juice here. Obey your conscience in taking that. Uh, this represents his blood shed for us for our forgiveness of sins. Um, it's a cup within a cup, so just grab one. Uh, then you'll separate them. Uh, then the bread will be underneath, which is his body, which uh, lived in our place, representing the life that we couldn't live and that he came and lived for us so that we can live in him. Warnings in scripture are about Christians coming too quickly to the table without uh, having the Lord search us, if he reveals sin to us, allowing us to repent of that. And so please don't rush to the table if you're a believer in Jesus. If you walked in like, I don't know where I'm at with Jesus, what I would say is, is man, this is us communing with him, and what I would encourage you to do is come to him. Give your life to him. Um, and we can talk if you're like, I don't know how to do that. Um, man, what's awesome is you don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to raise a hand. You just let him know just from your heart. Hey, God, you could say, hey, <laughs> he's listening. Um, and uh, just let him know that I'm, I'm all in. I'm giving my life to you. Um, 
I realize you died for my sins so that I could have life. I give my life to you. Uh, thank you for washing me white as snow. And then come to the table. Commune with him in that way too. So let's, let's all respond. What we'll do is we'll take the elements, we'll remain standing, and then we'll take it together as family.